0: CBS Sports Radio. listening to The Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Hello again, friends. How you doing? Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports
1: Radio. As the intro just told you, I don't know why I felt compelled to say that, but yes, they were accurate on the intro. It is me. I am back. We got four hours on the morning show here, and what a game, what a weird, strange turn of events tonight, right? Like... Coming into tonight, because obviously I knew I was going to sit down and we were going to be talking about the game first. You just have to when it, it's the Nets of the Bucks. Like this is when you're thinking about what these playoffs were supposed to be. This is a monster series. I mean, this is about as big as it gets, just in terms of the quality of the teams and the expectation around both of these teams. And man, I mean, you think the pressure that goes into What's happening in this series with the Bucs and the Nets? Like, it's real. You know? I mean, we're looking at a Nets team that obviously you've got three of the best players in the NBA. They're all together. They're in Brooklyn. They're villains all year. They almost never play together. And you have all this expectation that, hey, it doesn't matter. Because really, I mean, with all of the time that we've spent this year knowing the Brooklyn Nets exist whether it was before the Harden trade or after the Harden trade. Seeing what that team has been, uh, yeah, they haven't played together all that much, but they should still win. It's even been the argument, if it's only two of the three guys, they should still win, as they had all different injuries all throughout the season. They played, I believe, seven games together. Seven! (laughs) They played seven games together all season long, and now here they are in the playoffs, And it's like, yeah, you better win. You better win. I don't think you're going to meet a Brooklyn fan that goes, you know, eh, it's not a big deal this year. (laughs) They're they're an up and coming team. They got time. Like, no, they need to win immediately or it is a failure. So a lot of pressure in Brooklyn for the Bucs side of things. It's look, they traded for Drew Holiday. They went in on Giannis even more. They were doing everything they could. Baby, I'll change. I'll lose weight. I'll have more interest in your work friends, whatever it is. Like you just, (laughs) they laid everything out on the table to get Giannis to stay. And he stayed, he signed the extension, but that doesn't really mean he'll stay. You know what I mean? Like think about Damian Lillard, right? Cause there's a chance. We'll definitely be talking about Dame a little bit later tonight. Cause he, he just put on a power move, which was like, all right, this is, this is spicy, okay? The takes will fly. But for Damian Lillard, that's a guy that he just signed an extension. It's just kicking in with the Portland Trail Blazers. He could be gone this year. There's no reason to believe that he's absolutely anchored in to what they've got in Portland. No reason to believe that at all. And looking at the Bucks with all the commitments that they've made, the length of the contracts here, the extension of Giannis, if this team gets bounced if they lose in four games, five games to the Nets, it's over. It's over. Like, I don't care how good the Nets are. It's over. And they're going to have to figure out everything. They're going to have to burn that team to the ground. And so, a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure for the Bucks. And so, when you see the game and how it went, like, what a crazy game. That was one of those things. I, I really, I was just, I was stunned first minute of the game not even first minute james harden drives to the net and he messes up his hamstring now he had a hamstring injury earlier in the year he missed some games because of it and now for him to mess up his hamstring again where he immediately i mean as soon as it happened he's driving to the basket he throws up the ball he lands and you you can see him like like uh-oh you know it kind of grabs at the back of his leg And then he just walks right to the locker room. He knows exactly what happened. So they're running tests on Harden. We'll see what that is, how bad it is, how long he's out for. There's a lot of conversation around James Harden. We'll get to that later. But for the game itself, for him to go down right away, it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this team is finally healthy. They get through the Boston series together. And now he goes down. So for everybody at home, it's a bit of a shock. And here's Kevin Durant describing how he was feeling about
2: it. I didn't realize what uh, what had happened until he had. Uh... <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: so it's, it, it's tough. It's tough for Durant. It sucks. Long story short. So here's the thing: is it does suck, right? Like you have all these expectations, and now he's gone. 1 minute into the game, all the planning, all the preparation you have going into the series, it all it just goes up in smoke. But if you saw the game, and this is the crazy thing about the Nets, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. The Nets still won the game. And you know what? They were beating the Bucks pretty handily. Final score 115-107. It did not feel like that at all. And so we'll get into it. 855212 4227. That's how you join the show. 855 212 4227. Did you see the game? What would you think of the game? How do you feel about the series? Because the Nets just won and won handily without one of the three players that really matters on that team. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket Ken. So, thinking about. This game, a couple of things really stand out here. And obviously the first thing is Harden, right? It's okay. How long is he out for and how important is that? And can the Nets win this series without James Harden? Now you might go, well, they just beat him game one without him. So they don't need James Harden. I don't agree with that at all. Like James Harden is an important piece of this equation. They've lost games to the Bucks without him in the past. And there's something to be said because one of the real big stories tonight, one of the things that really, when you're going back and analyzing this game, you see the guys that stepped up for the Nets. And do you know who Mike James is? Do you know? Like, if you're not a Nets fan, have you heard of the guy? Because do you know what he's been doing? Here's the story of Mike James. He was in the league for a couple of years. Last played in 2018 in the NBA. Last couple of years... He's been overseas. He's been playing most recently in Russia. And by the way, and this is this is a nice little kicker to the story, he got suspended from his team in Russia for getting into some sort of incident with the head coach of the team. So he's suspended from that team. He's considered a, a EuroLeague MVP candidate. He then gets a 10-day contract with the Nets. They like him. They keep him around. And sure enough, He plays 30 minutes. He's got 12 points. Like, he's a massive stand-in for James Harden out of nowhere. Like, it's crazy. But that's what the Nets have been able to do, to identify this guy. He played a stretch with them. He started one game. And now here he is in the playoffs, and he makes a big impact. It's a great story for tonight. It's a great story. But also, do you believe you're going to get quality production out of Mike James all series long. If James Harden isn't playing in the series, because in the moment there are things that will surprise you. There are games that you might have some idea of what you want to do to defend a player. But then when you see what happens in real time and that player gets that first burst, they can overperform, but, When those backup players play for extended periods of time, and that's what this is all about, right? The more minutes guys like that get, the more the warts show. The more the inefficiencies, their inability to make shots at a high rate like they do when they first come in. Like, that stuff all hits the average eventually. And so, is it sustainable? And for the Bucks, what kind of adjustments do they make? Like, that's why the James Harden question is a big one. I think it's going to get dismissed a lot. For right now, until game two plays, it's just going to be, ah, and we'll have to see how bad it is with Harden. But it doesn't look good. doesn't look good. So... Harden matters. And wondering about the depth of the Nets and how that's going to play into this, it does matter. But for right now, Mike James, great story. And... and other credit to the Nets tonight. Blake Griffin. Oh, my God. Blake Griffin was great tonight. I He got torched by Giannis. So that, that was the expectation. I don't think anybody figured he wouldn't get torched by Giannis. He got torched by Giannis. But he's going to do that. Um, he's hitting three-pointers. You know, like he, he was, he played a good game. I think he had 18 points on the night. And to see Blake Griffin put up a game like that, you're like, all right. I mean, he got a lot of run. They needed him to get a lot of run. They haven't. You know, DeAndre Jordan really hasn't played for the Nets in a little while. That's been a coach's decision. So this was your big guy going into the series. Jeff Green has been hurt as well for the Nets. That matters. So a lot of responsibility on Blake Griffin. He had a great game. How long does that sustain? Like, these are the questions. That's why, for me, I think a lot of people are going to go into this and look at the game right now and go, you know what? It's over. Like, this was an embarrassing game one for the Bucks. This is who they are. The Nets are better. And it doesn't matter what happened in the regular season, which the Bucks won those games. They went 2 and one I believe. The, the Nets are better, and this is their series. And you saw everything that you need to see tonight. But here's the thing with Milwaukee. And here's what I want to do, actually. Is Mike Budenholzer, head coach of the Bucks. So after the game, they were asking him about what happened with the team and why they lost and listen to the coach. You know, I think there was times uh, when you know the defense they were well defended. Um, you know, we got to execute better. We got to screen for them better. We got to get them better looks. Um, and uh, and there's times when you know I think they had a couple good ones. And and uh, you know we're confident that they'll go in going forward. So he's talking about Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and and really the shooting of the Bucks overall. They couldn't hit threes. Like, that's why I'm not looking at this game and going, you know, this is clearly the one team is better than the other. I'm not going to overreact to this. I'm not saying the series is over by any stretch of the imagination. Like, tonight does not change how I felt about this series 24 hours ago. It just doesn't. I I went into this thinking this is a heavyweight matchup. This is a series that could very well go seven. And as much as it was a weird twist today, like, this was not a game that people would really expect where James Harden goes out, in the first minute, and the Nets win anyway, win handily anyway, but the Bucks went 6 of 30 from three, okay? They went 6 of 30. They hit 20% of their threes, so it's a horrible night. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where the shots weren't falling. They're not that bad of a shooting team. I don't think Chris Middleton hit a three all night. I'm pretty sure he was 0 for 5, so... Chris Middleton ain't going 0 for 5 every single night. You know, like it's just that that is not happening. So I'm looking at the series, and as much as all the pressure and really the doubt, I mean, the doubt definitely leans on the Bucs more. You've seen the Bucks for the most part. Drew Holiday is a really good addition. It's a really good addition. But it's not James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Two of those three guys winning titles. It's not the same thing. That's a new team with guys that are proven. The Bucks are not that. So people are going to pile on the Bucs. That's, that's my feeling on this, at least. And that's why I'd love to talk to you about it. Like, what would you make of the game? How do you feel about the Bucks nets series here? Is it over? Do you think it's a sweep? Do you think the the Harden injury is a catastrophe and everything's going to change for the Bucks' favor? Like, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855 212 4227. You can also get in. Just hit me up on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. I'm happy to read tweets, and I try to get back to everybody on there, so It's Vince Quinn. We'll go to Tony, and i got to hit the button first and actually get him on the board. Tony, hello. What's going on? How you doing, Vince? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh,
3: well, I'm a Raptor fan, but I also like Milwaukee. I think everybody's a little hard in Milwaukee and Yana, so look at it this way. You see the teams when they win the Championship. It's all these super clubs now. Even when Toronto won, we brought Kawhi here, and we got over the top. Golden State, the Lakers, you name it. It's teams that are just stacked. Now the expectation is Milwaukee. You have Giannis, and that's about it as a superstar. There's no one else, and they're expected. Oh, if they didn't win, oh, you must. It must be Giannis is not good enough, or the team has to be totally disassembled. No, how about they're the same as every other club? You need to supply another superstar, and they're peripheral stars, and you're going to win. Otherwise, you know what? Forget it. And it's like winning the lottery. To win with just one superstar in your team.
1: Well, here, here's the thing, Tony. I mean, what are the odds that the Bucks can go and get a guy like that? Because part of the thing is really, like, it is Milwaukee – that's and I hate to say it, but it does matter. Yeah. If you're going to Milwaukee and that's the city, it's going to be harder to sell than New York, L. A., Miami, whatever. So that's the kind of thing you deal with. Also, is Giannis the guy at this point that other superstars believe can win a title? Like, if I'm if I'm like in the ballpark as a regular season player, if I'm like close to being as good as Giannis, do I believe that I want to hitch my wagon to him? Or, for example. If Portland is trying to make moves now, and Damian Lillard's recruiting people, if, if I can, as a superstar of that caliber, choose where I go, I'm probably going to Portland before I go to Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Like, that's part of the problem yeah, they've got.
3: I, I hear you. I think what it is, you've got to look at the personality of the superstar. You know what? Let, let's say, I don't know, I don't want to pick any other names. I'll just speak for myself, maybe for you or whatever. But we seem like maybe more down there, simplistic people. And I'd say, you know what, I want to go play where there's a lot of stability. And I want to join Yanis. that seems like a stable figure, a level-headed, very polite, uh, good guy. And he's going to stick around for another 10 years there. So, you know what, Uh, I'm going to move there. My family's going to like it. And i got some stability. If it's that type of superstar, I think there's a good chance. If it's the one that's just looking for, i got to win a ring, doesn't matter where I go, I don't care if I like the town or not, then, yeah, it's a low chance.
1: Well, and that's the tough thing. And Tony, I appreciate it, man. Like that's that is the problem with the Bucks. Here's the thing, too. I do want to get a little bit more to Giannis on the other side, because I got some thoughts about him. He had a great game tonight. He had he had a really solid game. He had like 34 points, 11 rebounds. I mean, he did Giannis things, which is exactly what you expect him to do against the Nets. So, what to make of Giannis and what this series means? I want to get to more of that on the other side. But again, if you want to hop in, if you want to talk about the series, like let's talk about it. What else are we doing? Late at night, like we're hanging out. So 855-212-4227. That's how you join. 855-212-4227.
0: You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. So, I got to tell you, one of the favorite things that I've witnessed
1: through the NBA playoffs so far, Jay Crowder. What? Really? With all the things in the NBA playoffs, Vince, Jay Crowder? Are you sure? Really? Jay Crowder. Yes, Jay Crowder. Allow me to explain. The heat that Jay Crowder has been throwing towards the Lakers, has been nothing short of phenomenal. It's been great. He, he took a shot at AD in the ring, um, which is fine. I mean, the guy won a title, and he's basically like, yeah, that ring's whatever. Um, and then after beating, and, and in the process of officially putting the nail in the Lakers coffin, there's this moment where Jay Crowder is on the court and if you hadn't seen it, and I i got to be honest, I have not seen this commercial, but apparently LeBron is in a mountain duad, and he does he does a salsa dance in a mountain duad, so Graceffo's seen it, he's nodding. Um, but Jay Crowder's on the court at the end of game, what was that, game six, and he's doing... LeBron salsa dance from the the commercial. It's great. There he is. He just la-da-da-da-da-da-da. And you you see that. You see the trash talk to AD. And then uh, let me pull this thing up because there was a moment afterwards where LeBron, as they were getting ready for the playoff push and he was getting ready to come back, he had put out some statement. Let me see what the exact statement is. I got this in front of me in just a second. Uh, It's all fun and games until the bunny got the gun.
0: What? Yeah,
1: which... (laughs) Is that like a Bugs Bunny thing? I I really don't know. (laughs) But it's all fun and games until the... the, Or the rabbit... Either way. uh, Until the rabbit got the gun. So then, that's a LeBron tweet from May 7th. And then...
0: Can't understand a word.
1: Yeah, I, I can't either. But Jay Crowder, after winning the series, goes to Instagram, ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun.
0: (laughs) Can't understand a word.
1: It's great. And the picture that's posted from Jay Crowder is him with this like really skeptical. He's like, Yeah, I don't understand what the words mean. So he can't understand a word. There you go. So that's what he looks like. He's got that kind of look on his face. Jay Crowder does. And he's looking at LeBron in the shot. Like to have that and ain't no fun till the rabbit got the gun and he's quoting LeBron is like, it's so funny. It's it's one of those things that really You know, a a lot of people, they say they miss in sports. It's always there. It's a little different now. It's not as common now. But this is like that classic kind of spite that you like in sports from time to time. You like seeing rivalries like this. You know, I was talking with some guys the other day. um, These guys do a sports history podcast. So it's called In the Zone for what it's worth. But these guys, they were doing a whole thing on uh, the Colorado Avalanche and the Red Wings in the 90s, and how there was all this bad blood between those teams for a couple of years, and, like, that kind of animosity makes the games great before they even happen. You know what I mean? Like, how these two groups of guys that don't like each other can just... It really adds something. That personal element. Because a lot of times, yeah, they come out, and, hey, we're all competing, and we're all in this together, and we're all players at the end of the day, and we're we're just trying to get along, and it is what it is. No, this is like... I don't like this guy. I want to beat this guy. And now now that I have beaten him, I'm gonna trash talk this guy like crazy. You're a clown. So yeah, like Jay Crowder goes after LeBron in a big way. Now, here's the other thing, and this this is part of the LeBron James experience in a lot of different ways. It's you get the report in the past like twenty four hours, the report's come out that LeBron's ankle was estimated, you know, because whatever percentages mean, but it was like 85%. So he's not fully there. Now, some people are going to hear this. You know, sources are telling us that LeBron James' ankle is 85%. And those people will go, ugh. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense to you? The, like, the grown, like, there's something about LeBron that gets people to... They're just exhausted by it. Something about him just grates on people. He's not necessarily like a nasty guy, and he does a lot of great community work. But if you ask your average fan, um, the, the classic, well, almost classic example, but fitting example was just a couple of weeks ago when he got hit. He got hit in the eye. And he said he was seeing three rims. And and so many people were like, oh, here's LeBron again, like saying that he's hurt and like making this all dramatic. And that's the LeBron James experience. It's, oh, here he is again. And it's that groan. I was literally, so can, can we do this? Let's just play this, Graceffo, because th- this is LeBron James. They asked him after the series was over if he's going to play in the Olympics.
2: I think I'm going to play for the Tuna squad this summer instead of the Olympics. Um <laughs> Now, I think that's what I'm. A, that's my focus on, on trying to beat the Monstars or the goon squad we call them now. Um, so didn't have much success versus Sun. So now I am uh, gearing my attention to the goon squad here in July, <laughs> mid July. <laughs> so, so,
0: so Grisepo's listening the ankle rest to this. For about a
2: month and then uh, I'm gear up with, with, with uh, Lola Taz, <laughs> Granny Bugs. Um, you know, that's the rabbit with the, the gun, by the way. So. Hopefully, see y'all at the match.
1: So, I, I'm at, like, during the commercial break, I was like, yo, Graceffo, LeBron said this thing. You get the cut for me. And he's like, yeah, hold on. And, and so, as we're talking, I can I can see him as he's listening to it. And he literally goes, oh, I got it. Like, <laughs> but that's the LeBron experience. And, like, Jay Crowder is totally the same way. That's exactly what it feels like. He just goes, like, you just... Ugh, like it, <laughs> and I think for the people that like LeBron, it it's one of those things where like I, I appreciate and totally respect LeBron James as the player, and he's got some things off the court that I don't necessarily agree with, but he does plenty of things off the court that I do. And when you think about being a megastar like he is and the responsibilities that he has because of that and the eyeballs on him, he handles the gig really well, you know, but there's still this element of just like as much as I I respect that it's just, ugh.
4: It's like a Roethlisberger thing. Roethlisberger wastes no time telling you how hurt he was every time he gets hurt. Like oh I just had entire reconstructive elbow surgery. Uh, as you wonder why I can't throw the ball downfield with much proficiency anymore. He's like Ben. We know. He's like it's the same thing with LeBron. Like LeBron needs to tell you every injury in c- in case you don't know or you've lived under a rock or you haven't followed the NBA in the past. Month
1: well, yeah, and and he does. And and here's the thing though, on some level, he does, though, like he does need to say it as much as it's a groaning thing. It's like he's always going to get crushed, regardless, because it's like, oh, well, you're LeBron, yes, you're hurt, but you're LeBron James, you need to be able to carry the team by yourself. And it's like, no, he doesn't, no, he does. If he's actually that injured at his age. To play, I mean, the guy, if his ankle's at 85%, he has no Anthony Davis. The team's not that good around him anyway, and he's putting up like 29, 9, and 7 in an elimination game, that's pretty good. That's like, you would take that from a 36, 37-year-old any day of the week. For LeBron James, that is a solid game, but they lose, and they lose the series And it's just like, oh, well, there's LeBron. He's, he's falling off a cliff. He's not the lead guy anymore. It's just like, he's so he's putting it out there because he's getting that kind of heat because he has such high expectations. So he feels compelled. Like people are ripping me, but I'm hurt. You know, like I'm, I'm hurt. You got to acknowledge the fact that I'm hurt there. There are very few players that I've ever seen that have been hurt and it's ignored in the same way that it happens with LeBron. So he feels compelled to do that. But also when he does it, everybody just goes, Ugh. <laughs> it's just this weird endless cycle of the LeBron experience. But seeing all this with Jay Crowder after the series went, it was just like, it was wild, man. It's been an interesting, wacky 24 hours with all that. But uh, let's go to the phones here. First, let's let let's get a little more of this LeBron stuff with uh, Daniel. Daniel in South Carolina. What's up, man?
5: Hey, but, uh, Glad you guys are are doing great and uh, great job with the show. By the way, y'all are extremely totally entertaining. Thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate it for uh, for letting me on. Um, yeah, I, I I kind of want to echo a little bit of what you said, LeBron and the and the Ben and I don't hate Ben <laughs> at all. But to, to echo what you said, the whole he's gonna let you know how hard he is. Well, that's true. Uh, but also, LeBron, you built the entire roster and picked the coach yourself. So, I mean, you kind of. Brought this on on yourself in that way, but the relevant point to the relevant point for him. I mean, you've been in the league so long. He's uh, got the kind of athleticism and the size that, uh, as everyone said, odd nauseum we've never seen before. I mean, he's got kind of a luxury that someone like Jay Crowder uh, they don't. And Jay Crowder is someone who's got enough name recognition and star power. To where he can, like if you say the name Jay Crowder, people are like, oh yeah, 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 I know him. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys who who don't have that, who have to play against LeBron or with him. And they don't have the same kind of, they don't have that luxury to where a series ends and they can say, well, you know, I was hurt. And I get it. I'm sure that he was. But everybody is hurt. It's a, it's a playoff this time of year. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that guy that goes, oh, well, there's no excuses. Because that's kind of a cop-out excuse. On its own, but he has a kind of a luxury, which is to what you were talking about. Kind of, it, it can be a target for him, yeah. But it is also kind of a luxury, and that, he could that's say, the "Well, it was thing. only eighty-five percent." But you know, his supporters, people who, who love him, say, "Oh, he's eighty-five percent people." Who don't like him will say, Well, it's the same old crap that we've been hearing for years and years and years. Yeah, at and the, and the, the day, cycle
1: goes on and on, Daniel. Like that's that's just what it yeah. is. And that's what's so weird about the LeBron experience at this point. Like it's it's just become this almost uh cartoonish caricature it's a, it's kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's yeah. crazy. And I appreciate the call, Daniel. Thanks, man. Let's go to uh let's go to Kareem in California. Kareem, you're on C B S Sports Radio.
2: Hi, hey, how's it going, man? It's going good. Good, good. Thanks for taking my call. So I want to get to, um, you know, I'm going to talk about Giannis real quick, but I'm also going to get on the LeBron situation. Okay, so, Giannis... we, got, so we
1: got like two minutes, just so you know. So I got a heart out okay. in two minutes, so fire away.
2: It's all good. It's all good. I'm going to make it happen. So the thing about Giannis, I mean, New Jersey, they stack. You know, they got three guys that can get you 100, you know what I'm saying, to themselves, Giannis got to develop a elbow jumper, you know what I'm saying, and, you know, they're going to box him in. If he don't got any perimeter, you know, game, then – once you play a team four to seven times, they're gonna scheme him. They're gonna take him out. And if he have a bad shooting night, you know I think this series is gonna be five, maybe six. It won't go seven. The experts talking about seven, but I doubt it goes seven. And that's my take on Giannis. Now the thing about LeBron and the Lakers, here's the thing: first, AD, you he gotta invest in the offseason and his conditioning and keep himself to the point where he won't be broke up throughout the year. I know it was a quick turnaround coming out the bubble and everything like that, but he's from New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? He was injury prone. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? So he got to invest. LeBron invest $2 and in his, in, in his body in the offseason. AD got to take it further than that. And here's another thing about the Lakers, because I am a Laker fan, but I'm a realist. Even if AD was healthy, I still think Phoenix was the better team. They wanted it more. They outplayed us you know, four out of of six games. You know, AD did have 34-10 and in two games that we won, but D-Book, take this, 25-and-under. D-Book, Tatum, and Luka is the future. They are superstars. You know what I'm saying? But in the offseason, the Lakers need to get perimeter shooting, and then they got rid of uh, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, and they don't have no interior defensive uh athletic bigs and that's what killed them Yeah. Telling stat telling stat in this uh series against Phoenix, they shot thirty three percent in wide open threes. And that's why I think it's gonna be Utah and uh Brooklyn for the, you know, finals because Utah got perimeter shooting. They got Gobert, uh, go uh, Gobert in the middle and uh Mitchell is D way point two point oh. He's uh dog out there. So, yeah. I like Utah and
1: All right, and Kareem, that's it, man. I got I hit my limit, but I appreciate. It. That was a good call. He's got numbers and like he came ready to play. So, I appreciate the call. Anyway, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio. This lovely morning show continues for 3 more hours. You can hit me up at It's Vince Quinn if you want to hop in there as well. Coming up next, crazy moment in golf, as well as Damian Lillard. What's happening there?
0: You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio.
1: Yes, fresh from dog sitting, Vince Quinn here with you on CBS Sports Radio. I watched a couple of puppies today. That was fun. I did not expect that. It's my girlfriend's birthday. A couple of puppies showed up with a friend of hers. I was like, all right, I guess I'm hanging out with some puppies today. And sure enough, I did. Beautiful thing. Uh, but I'm tired and coming to you live for the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket Ken. So, we've been talking a little bit about the Bucks and the Nets series with really the main couple of things here being that, you know, James Harden's hurt and we got to see where that goes. We got to see everything that happens with James Harden. How bad is the hamstring injury? He had it before. Now he's reaggravated. It's a hamstring. Like, that is a delicate thing. And so, big time problem for the Nets. We'll see if there's, I doubt there's going to be any updates at this hour, but if there's updates, we'll keep you posted. I'm checking Twitter and we'll see what happens. Um, Other stuff going on in that series, wondering about what this means. I mean, for the Nets to win that game without James Harden, some people are going to look at that and go, that's all you need to see. And I got to tell you, I don't buy into that at all. As bad as this game looked and for the Bucs, that was a bad look. It's a bad look. Losing to a team where James Harden played less than a minute. He played, I think, 43 seconds and then left the game with the hamstring. For them to lose that game. And the final score doesn't look that bad. It's 115-107. It was way worse than that. Last couple of minutes, um, Phanasis Antetokounmpo was in the game. And... It was a the end of the game. Was weird, by the way. If you saw the end of the game, like there was some stuff between him and Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin sets a screen. Thanasis runs, like just runs right into him. Like if you've ever seen a bird fly into a glass window, like that's what it looked like. And Blake Griffin got called with the foul. Then on the other end of the floor, at some point, after Blake and Thanassus are going back and forth a little bit, Thanasis goes to the net. He falls over, and Blake Griffin, like kind of looked at him put his foot into him a little bit and then stepped over him like it was it was getting chippy there at the end of that game there was some bad blood that was starting to brew a little bit but again the, the main point being that like it just wasn't a close game you could feel that the nets were in control for really the whole second half and does that mean the bucks are done no the, the main thing that i took away from tonight was that the bucks couldn't hit a shot they just they couldn't hit a shot to save their lives. They were terrible shooting tonight. And for the Nets, they were hot. Like the other guys. Because you expect Kevin Durant to hit shots. You expect Kyrie Irving to hit shots. But when Mike James is coming in and playing 30 minutes and hitting a lot of shots for the Nets, when Blake Griffin's hitting threes, like it's just a different dynamic. And so they were getting that production from their other guys. Joe Harris had a really good game for them. And for the Bucks, they just didn't really have that. It was Giannis, it was Brooke Lopez, and it was basically nobody else. Just a disappointing night. So, if you want to get in and talk about it, 855-212-4227. Uh, I want to get to a, a crazy thing that's been going on with the Memorial Tournament in golf in a second. Just, like, totally nuts. But uh, first, let's go to Curtis in Indianapolis. Curtis, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on?
6: Well, certainly the first half was something to watch if you're a Bucks fan. That was going just fine. Harden's out. You think that can't, that can't do us any harm. And then the second half, like you said, came around, and, and uh, Brooklyn was dominating us the whole second half. Uh, I think the key is going to be uh, shooting, just like you said. Can Milton come around and shoot? Uh, can Holiday shoot from the three? Can Brook Lopez have another repeat performance from what he just did? Uh, Giannis was great. And, uh, until Kawhi Leonard steps on the floor for Brooklyn, I don't see anybody stopping him. He's the only guy that's been stopping Giannis for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it'll be about how well Giannis, uh, plays defense as needed on, uh, Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving. If you have to, uh, put him, put him out there on him. But, uh, it'll be, it'll be all about the shooting. And, uh, this is the series we've been waiting for all season. Since the disappointing uh, result last year, losing to Miami, Milwaukee fans have been waiting for this series all year long. So uh, I don't know how this is going to go. I certainly don't think that we're dead, uh, but this is a tough matchup. Yeah, it is a tough
1: matchup, and it really is what the season's all about. Curtis, I appreciate it, man. Like it's It was going into the playoffs, and every, as everything was starting to fall into place, you were figuring out what all the seeds were. It was, okay, who's going to get the one spot? Is it the Sixers or the Nets? and then whoever's the two and three seeds, whoever's going to play the Bucks, basically, who wins that series and plays the one seed in the conference finals? So it's this series, it's next series, but you've been waiting for this all year. It felt like these were the three teams, and it was everybody else. Like, the Knicks had a nice season. Good for them. Nobody believed they were going anywhere from the jump, and as much as they, they played far above expectations, nobody expected them to win a title. Hawks. Made some moves, made a lot of moves, fired the coach in the middle of the season, in part because they made those moves and had expectation. Nobody's believing the Hawks are a finals team. If the Hawks get bounced in, say five games, I don't think anybody's going, Oh, what a disappointment for the Hawks. They won a playoff series. Like they won a tough playoff series against the Knicks. That was a good accomplishment for them, but that's that's just where they are right now. So this is the heavyweight battle. This is the team you've had for a while, this is the coach you've had for a while. You got to go and win. If you're Milwaukee, like, it's time to lose to the Heat last year and now sweep them this year, like, it's time. And if they can't do it now, man, it's just, it's a mess. It's going to be a mess in Milwaukee. Now, 855 4227 So, this was crazy. Uh, a couple of, golf's got a lot of crazy things going on right now, by the way. You've got the whole, which I want to get into a little bit later because the whole thing is completely insane. Have you seen the, the latest developments in the, uh, Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau thing, Grisepa. Like the last twenty-four hours, have you seen any of the nonsense going on? With all of that. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it?
4: Yeah, a lot of heckling. It would seem.
1: Yes, a lot of heckling, and, it and... Was
4: somebody like egged on to do the heckling by someone else. You know.
1: Well, yeah, and now those people have actually been encouraged to heckle more. I, I want to get the, the conspiracy th-
4: theory. Here, it's... I feel.
1: no, well, it's it's not a conspiracy theory. It's on the record. We'll get. Oh, to it we know later. it's on the record. That yes,
4: someone was egged on to. Uh, heckle someone else?
1: Well, now they are. I see. Now the people are being egged on to heckle. So that's something with, with, with Kepka and DeChambeau, we'll get to that in an hour, Like, right? I, I want to talk about that a little bit later, but their rivalry is fun. Like just, just the beef with them is fun. I got to tell you, I'm not somebody that goes to golf. Golf comes to me. Like once in a while, there's things that pop up and I can get locked in and be like, all right, I dig this about the PGA tour for whatever reason. And, this is something that absolutely sticks. But a thing that that came to me and really just you feel awful when you see it. So John Rom, who second ranked golfer in the world playing at the Memorial Tournament. He's leading by uh, six strokes. So significant lead there. And he, by the way, won the Memorial Tournament last year. So this guy, as he's leading the tournament again, he finds out that he's tested positive for COVID, and now they have to remove him from the tournament. And you can see that there's video out there of the moment when they tell the guy. You can actually watch somebody from the PGA Tour who has to go out to him on the golf course and explain to him, sorry, man, you, you tested positive. We got to take you out. And he had and the tough thing is because obviously you're going to ask a lot of questions about that. What if it's a false positive and all this different stuff? Contact tracing had them telling this guy, John Rom, they told him on Monday there was a possibility through contact tracing that he could get sick. So he knew about this for a couple of days. They kept testing him positive or, or negative, like Monday, negative, Tuesday, negative, Wednesday, negative. And then here you go on Saturday, and he tests positive. And so now they got to take him out of the tournament. He's gone. And, like, you see the guy. I mean, you just see the guy, like, break. You know? You just see it. I mean, he's, he's bent over. You can see the tears, the way he's rubbing on his face. And, and you just feel for the guy. Like, honestly, whether you like golf or not, if you, if you can't watch a moment like that and feel for somebody who's a competitor on that level, I mean, dedicating their life to it, And to be leading the tournament, to have the expectation, having done it before, and the success, the feel, the thrill of that, and obviously the money that goes with it. And to see that all taken away, not because he's hurt, not because his body failed him, not because he played poorly, he made mistakes, or somebody just outplayed him, but to have that happen because he tested positive, it's just that that sucks. And one of the things that's going on with that is, you know, now there's all the speculation like, oh, he should have gotten the vaccine. I, I have no idea if he got vaccinated or not. And, you know, vaccine. it's not like you're impervious, like, oh, I'm going to dive into a pool of COVID and I can't get it. Like, no, it, it's a percentage that limits your chances. He might have gotten the vaccine and it still happened that he tested positive. That can happen. So it's just one of those things where I don't know where it is with any of that with the vaccine. I'm not going to tell you either way whether he did or he didn't because I don't know if he wants to call in and tell me, John, you're welcome to call in and tell me. But it, it's just either way, it's really unfortunate That it happened to him, and and you really feel for the guy. So just an awful, awful moment that happened in the Memorial Tournament. But something on the other side of things, going back to the NBA, because you look at what's happening in Portland. Portland is blowing it up. Terry Stotts got fired. He's been there for a long time. He is a well-tenured coach, and they let him go. Now, why did Terry Stotts get fired? Well, because the team, they've hit a peak. It's abundantly obvious to everybody everywhere that that team is stuck. Who they are, what they've been with Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and you know some of the different rotating guys this year. Norman Powell, they added to the team. It's just, it, it's not enough, mellow It's it's just not enough. And now they get bounced in the first round. I played it for you the other night. If you if you were listening, I was in for Amy Lawrence the other day. They. This year, Norman Powell, they added to the team. It's just, it, it's not enough. Mellow, it's it's just not enough. And now they get bounced in the first round. I played it for you the other night. If you, if you were listening, I was in for Amy Lawrence the other day. They asked Dame after the game, after they after they got wiped out by the, uh, by the Nuggets. They're like, so how do you feel about all this? And he goes, well, we haven't won a championship. And we just lost to the Nuggets. They're missing both of their starting guards um, with the Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard, after Terry Stotts got fired, requested, he he leaked to the media who he wants as the next head coach. This is on the record that Damian Lillard wants, of all people, Jason Kidd to be the head coach of the Trailblazers, which at first is like, come on, man, really, like, you Damian Lillard's got such a big moment here. This is the moment. Like, if he's going to try to say, because you get into these situations where the uh, superstars, a lot of times, they leave, right? They just leave. It, it doesn't work. They want out, they get out, and that's what they do. He's got a situation where he can make it work. He can say, hey, I've got leverage here. Everything that I've been doing, the league loves me. Fans across the league love me. I am a superstar. I'm a transcendent player. I've been doing everything. You guys haven't done enough for me. And now it's my turn to start calling some shots around here. That's what he's doing. This is a big moment for him. And whether or not he's successful in this power struggle is going to have some say over whether or not he stays, right? Because he might say, my first option, just thinking logically here, his first option is, I'm going to stay in Portland, I'm going to try to execute, you know, a plan here to get some control of the organization. I'm going to start running the team a little bit more my way, and I'm going to do that here. But, if you know, it doesn't work out. They're not exactly hiring the coach that I want, and it doesn't seem to be going in the direction that I really want. Well, then uh, I'm going to just ask for a trade, and, and somebody's going to trade for me. Like, there's a tweet. <laughs> there's a report. It's like, yeah, multiple teams are monitoring whether or not Damian Lillard will get traded. It's like everybody on the planet Earth is monitoring whether or not he wants to get traded. <laughs> of course, like every it's whether or not he's actually available or he wants to go anywhere. But if he doesn't get any say in the equation or not enough of the say in the equation, then yeah, he's going to want out. But making your first move in the power play, Jason Kidd, like really Jason Kidd. Are we really going down the Jason Kidd Avenue? He's got a good relationship, Vince. They're both from Oakland. Okay. Well, what about Brooklyn? And what happened in Brooklyn? And what about uh, Milwaukee? And what he was in Milwaukee? Like, that's... You could get anybody in the world. Like, if you could get so many different coaches, if you can get all these names that are out there, guys like uh, Chauncey Billups, for example... Chauncey Billups is a guy that should totally be in the running to get a head coaching job. Sam Cassell is a guy right now that has a chance to get a head coaching job and to go, yeah, you know, we need the Jason Kidd experience part three. It's like, it's, it's just not the best pitch. It's not the best pitch. He's got a big moment here. You got to pick somebody better than Jason Kidd. So I, I thought that was a mistake on his part, but I totally get why he's going for it. Like at this point, Lillard should should call some shots. And really, here's the other thing, too. For the Trailblazers, think about how much they blew it. They blew it, man. I mean, you had a superstar player of his caliber, and he's let everything ride. I bet he's got, you know, he's... You blew it! I I can't imagine he's completely quiet by it. It's not like he's never said a word. Like, let's be real. But also... He's not coming out and making public statements all the time. Terry Stotts has been there for a long time. That's all been rolling. Uh, CJ McCollum has been there the whole time. That's his guy. Like, this whole thing has been moving along. He's had some level of trust and belief in the organization that they could make it work. He was hoping that they could do this. He was, like, this was the, if you're the traditional sports fan... You know, you hate the trend of NBA players today. Then you could look at what was happening in Portland and be th- like, "This is something I could root for." This is a little more classic, if you will. Well, it ain't classic anymore. It is thoroughly modern. And for Portland, they they wasted the opportunity. So now, now you're in a power struggle. Now your superstar in his highest moment of leverage here. Well, not highest because he signed an extension. But really, I mean, what does it matter? Um, in this moment. Where he's as popular as can be. Anybody in the league wants to trade for him. He's 31 years old. Like, he's throwing Jason Kidd at you now. So what's going to happen in Portland? I have no idea. The power grab thing is not surprising. But the the suggestion of Kidd was just like, I I have no idea how this is going to go. And if you're Portland, can you say yes to that? Like, really? Can you... Can you go, yes, Damian Lillard, we will go with Jason Kidd? If you go and make that choice versus all the other coaches out there, I mean, what are you doing for the team? Do you really think Jason Kidd's going to be the best guy? And if you don't think he's going to be the best guy, do you go against Damian Lillard and his own self-interest? You know, him saying, I want Kidd, do you go against him? Can you convince him? Yeah, oh, it is Sam Cassell. Oh, it is um, uh, Chauncey Billups. Oh, it is Becky Hammond, whoever it might be. Can you do that? Like, it's, it's going to be complicated. This, this offseason with Portland is going to be very complicated, very interesting, and yes, everybody is watching and monitoring this situation. So, anyway, 855-212-4227. That's how you get in. Happy to talk with you. Let's talk NBA playoffs. Let's talk about what's been going on in the PGA Tour. Like, we can get into
0: all that stuff. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. So, I, I got to admit this as well. I, I, me and Graceffo have just been
1: talking through the whole break. I, I got to admit this to you. I, I almost called you James. I almost said, I don't know if I've, I've called you James maybe twice when, like, we first started working together. You're just, you're, yeah, you're always Graceffo. But I had this thought of, like, okay, what if I just didn't show up, like, it, mid-show, like, mid-show, what if I just, we hit the commercial break, and I'm like, yeah, I'll be right back. And then I just, like, walked away. Like, I just, I, I walked down the street, I went to Taco Bell, I, I got myself something to eat, and, like, we just came back from break. Like, what, what would you
4: do? You don't know how many times I've had the exact same thought. Uh, yeah. But instead of going to Taco Bell, I just went home.
1: Yeah, you just, you just leave the show, you go home. now
4: And not come back.
1: I could theoretically execute the show like that. Now, I don't want to cost you your job, but... You could, I could. I wouldn't be able to take calls. Really, I would just be. I wouldn't screen any calls. It would just be somebody called. I'm immediately putting them on live, and we'll just figure it out. Yeah, that'll go well. It's. It would go uh, sometimes well and sometimes horrifically bad. <laughs> so, it would be complicated in that way.
4: You know how many times I've had that thought where I was like, "Meh, I'll just." We're in commercial. I'm going to go home now.
1: Yeah, specifically during this show, I would assume as well.
4: Oh yeah, all the time.
1: Yeah, it's, it's especially for this one. It's just like, yeah, what am I doing here? Like, I, I so many things in my life. I went to school. I had potential and dreams. Here, I'm watching Vince talk about God knows what. <laughs> you I know, I
4: actually like hanging out with friends tonight that I did earlier before I came here. Yeah,
1: you just you didn't have to leave. Hey, sorry guys, I gotta go to work.
4: No, nope. yeah, I know. They're like, what? really now with Vince? Who <laughs> exactly? And uh, I'm like. Yeah, no, I gotta go now. This is not great. Uh, believe me, uh, it's not <laughs> ideal for me either.
1: <laughs> yeah, because like
4: some of the times and you make how much?
1: Yeah, nah, you don't want to know. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But this beer's on you. Uh- <laughs> 855-212-4227 is how you join the show. Because for now, Graceffo is here. He didn't go home, and we can screen the calls. You
4: never so, know. 4.30 might roll around. and I just don't want to be here anymore.
1: Yeah, then you just start popping people up live, and I'll get the hint. But we'll, we'll go. We'll, we'll figure that out when we get there. For now, let's talk to uh, John in San Diego. John, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's up?
3: How you guys doing? Doing um, good. I want to talk good. to you guys about Julio Jones and his potential landing spot. Okay. We were talking about how um, he wants to go somewhere where they could throw it deep downfield. And I, I really don't see anyone that could do that better or example that better than Justin Herbert and the San Diego Chargers. All right.
1: Okay, so I hear you on that. Herbert can get it down the field. But the the only question is, are the Chargers a contender? Which I've wanted to believe they are the last couple of years. But I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. And now they just went through a coaching change. So I, I'll say this. Your problem sure. is, John, if you got to convince Julio Jones that your new guy that he hasn't seen yet in a head coach capacity, you got to convince him that that's the guy. And can you, can you make that a, so like, do you believe right now they're a legit contender? Do you expect a, like, how far do you expect the Chargers to go this year?
3: Well, offensively, I do think so. I mean, that offline got Ray beefed up. They went from a skirt steak to like a tomahawk. <laughs> and uh, between, I mean, if they had Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Julio Jones at the lineup, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it sounds good, you know. It
1: would be, like, the best receiving core in the league. I mean, that's that's a group right there.
3: But defensively, that's where the issue comes, and they need to prove that. So that's the only bad part.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the tough thing with them because they've had times where, man, like, certain years you go into the season, and, John, I appreciate it, man. Like, you, you look at the team, you go, man, they got Bosa, Melvin Ingram, and what those guys can do, and then Derwin, uh, Derwin James gets into the conversation, but he... He gets hurt, and yeah, like now Melvin Ingram's out, and it's just the the whole dynamic of that side is just, I just don't know. I just don't know. I like the Chargers. I love Herbert, and maybe, you know, if they are, because here's the thing, too. Julio Jones, it's not the NBA. It's not. It's not the same thing. You can't just, you don't have as much leeway to deny other teams. So, if the trade package comes through and the Chargers have the best deal, you take it, right? Like, of all the places you could end up is Julio Jones. If you end up, you spin the wheel, and you land on the Chargers, it's like, all right, yeah, I can, I, I can do this. I can make it work. So, 855-212-4227. We got Solomon in Cleveland. Hello, Solomon. Hey. Hello? Yeah, you're on the air. What's up?
7: Oh, all right, cool. Um, I just want to talk about where I think uh, Julio Jones uh, should go. Sure. My my thing is, is I don't understand. Like, like I, I know, I know you guys are talking about Seattle and everything. I don't understand why every time Baltimore isn't at the front of the conversation. And this is coming from like a huge Browns fan. Like, I understand like Lamar isn't the most dynamic passer mm-hmm. in the world, but if he, if Julio Jones wants to to win, like, like I, if I was him, I would go, I would go to Baltimore. Like, if I, was if I was a GM at Baltimore, I'd give up, like, two second-round picks and Hollywood Brown because I don't feel like Hollywood Brown's doing much there. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't understand why they're not, like, chomping at the bits to get them
1: Well, that's an interesting point. I'd gotten a call because I was talking about the receivers for the Ravens maybe, like, a week ago, and somebody called in, like, yeah, they drafted all these young guys, and, like, that's what they're trying to do. But, yeah, I'm with you because you know what I think about, Solomon? I think about uh, the Bills. And, you know, Josh Allen, like totally inaccurate or inconsistent. He's all over the place. They get Stephon Diggs. He throws to Stephon Diggs. Now he got better anyway as a quarterback, but he threw to Stephon Diggs all day, every day, all season long. And what do you know? Diggs is, has a ridiculous season. Allen's as accurate as he's ever been. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. And what would it do for Lamar Jackson if he got Julio mean? Jones? I would love to see it. I mean, just from being on the outside, I'd love him? to no. see it.
7: Yeah, yeah, I, I I like to see it, too. I feel like it'll make uh, Lamar better. I feel like that'll make, uh, you know, the Ravens even more of a contender. Like I, like, I understand, like, you know, they'll still be more of a, you know, run-heavy team, the Ravens, but, like, even if Julio Jones is on the field, I feel like it's the same thing with OBJ with the Browns. You have to respect him being on the field, so that adds a whole other dynamic to the game.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it, and I appreciate the call, man. I mean, we just had to think about this, okay? This is something that I, I respect the hell out of Solomon. That guy, he just called in. He is a Cleveland Browns fan. He said, he said, I'm a big Cleveland Browns fan. I would like to see Julio Jones on the Ravens. Like, that's that's respect. That's a guy who loves the sport. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's impressive. Good for him. That and, and again, thanks for the call. Um, I gotta get to this NBA thing real quick. I got so many stories I want to get to. There's so many One of them's not a sports story that if I don't go through this story at some point tonight, I'm going to explode, which is kind of a hint, but uh, Magic Johnson, if you didn't see this, it was great. So Dennis Schroeder is a notable player for the Lakers. They brought him in to be a big player, starting player, be alongside LeBron, handle the ball, uh, hit some threes. He was not a good three point shooter this year. He went down a good bit and he had moments. I mean, he had the missed layup. I think it was game five, he missed that layup at the end of the game. And then LeBron was just like, yep, that's it. I'm done for the night. And he just, he just didn't show up on the other side of the floor. He just didn't go back to play defense. He <laughs> was like, all right. He did that a couple of times, by the way. I, like, I saw LeBron at the end of game six. And he stopped playing defense altogether. And the game was over. And it was fine. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But I didn't realize he had done it in the first half as well. He had a couple of possessions where he just didn't go back at all and play defense. It's like, dude, you're LeBron James. It's the first half of the game. It's not over yet. And it's just weird to see him just like, yeah, it's, it's not even like he was, you know, slow jogging. You know, like the, You ever hear the phrase man jog? Like, Nicolas Cage man-jogging in, in movies and all that. Like, it wasn't even that. It wasn't like that. Just, like, slowly chugging along. Like, he, the play happens. It's a miss. LeBron stands there. And the play moves. And LeBron's standing there. And then maybe he takes a step or two. And like they just casually, nice and easy... Nowhere to be. It's a Sunday afternoon. I'm living my life. <laughs> like he just like 20 seconds later. Now you see LeBron cross half court. It was like, wait, what? Like, what was he doing? It was in the first half of an elimination game. That was crazy. That was crazy to me. But anyway, Dennis Schroeder, not exactly what the Lakers expected, and not exactly what they needed when they traded for him. And so Magic Johnson had some things to say about him. Quote, Schroeder, I don't think he's a Laker. That's just my opinion. I don't know if they're going to sign him back or not. I don't think he brings the winning mentality and attitude that we need. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's a free agent right now. You're a loser. Yeah, that's pretty much what he said. That's pretty much what he said. He had a chance to show that in this series. And to me, he failed in this series. Pretty ugly. Pretty ugly. I mean, it's Magic Johnson we're talking about. You're now going to be looked at as a loser. (laughs) (laughs) You're a loser now. How do you bring him back? Right? Like, it's one of those things where just, how do you, because it is Magic Johnson. It's not just from the idea that it's Lakers legend Magic Johnson. It's. Former Lakers executive knows everybody in the building has probably talked to everybody in the building and mentioned Schroeder at one point or another during the playoff run here. Like it had to have come up and here he is the second. I mean, the guy's been a free agent for like 24 hours. He's not even technically a free agent, but the contract is over, right? Like it, the season ends and immediately, I mean, he can't wait the guy who loves to put out tweets like, yeah, the Los Angeles Lakers play basketball. They didn't play basketball well. Tough basketball. Bad basketball. Good basketball by the Suns. Like, that's that's the kind of stuff you get from Edge. The deep, insightful things. And then yeah, he races out as soon as the season's over to be like, yep, this guy can't play. I don't think he's a Laker. Losing mentality. All this kind of... I You're mean- the ultimate loser. He trashed him. He trashed him. And... To think to truder, because from the reports I've read, they at one point offered him something like four years, forty eight million dollars, and he turned that down. It was like a substantial offer. And he turned that deal down, and now you have this happened, and now he's gonna be a free agent. And let's be real, the Lakers are gonna they're gonna make some significant changes. Whether they need to or not, they're going to make significant moves because the clock's ticking. Like We've always known that at some point LeBron is going to have those struggles. He's going to deal with injuries, and now you've seen it. In three years that he's been a Laker, two of those seasons got derailed by injury, and one of them won you a championship. They got to they gotta go now. They got to go now. There's no waiting. There's no, oh, we got a couple of years and Anthony Davis and whatever. You do it now. You can't trust Anthony Davis. You can't trust his health. You can't trust LeBron and his health. You got to go for it. So if they were iffy before, and now they're out in the first round, they're going to be swinging for the fences.
0: Oh, no. We suck again. Yeah,
1: they suck again. Like They, they got to figure this out. And, and here's the other thing, by the way. This is, this is going to be really an important question for the Lakers this offseason. <laughs> You just had those injuries. You just got knocked out in the first round. Are they the kind of team next year, as much as they're going to be a legitimate contender, just because AD and LeBron exist, are they going to be the team that those ring chasers go to? Are they going to be that level of destination? Or is it Brooklyn still? Or whoever, if somebody else comes out of the East, whoever makes it to the finals, is it Denver? Is it like, who is that team that all those players are going to latch on to? Because that's been a big part of LeBron's advantage. People always knew he was going to the finals. He went there every year. You hopped on the LeBron James train. But if you're worried about him getting hurt, if you're worried about AD getting hurt, then maybe they don't have that same advantage that they had before. That advantage is real. Look at the nets. Look at Blake Griffin. That advantage is real. And so looking at this situation now with the Lakers, it's like, okay, well, let's see. You know, the off season is going to be telling in terms of what do players around the league? What do they believe with AD with LeBron, their health and their chance to win? So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. That's how you get in. Easy way to join the show.
0: 855-212-4227. Let's talk about this Brooks Kepka Deschambault rivalry next. You're listening to the Vince Quinn show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, we have some old-fashioned bad blood
1: here, and it's, this is crazy. I mean, this whole saga with Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, it's absolute gold. And we will take you through it in just a second. But first, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. So, a couple of things have happened. in the. This is like, what, the last two weeks? Maybe this whole scenario's really blown up. So, apparently, Kepka and DeChambeau, two prominent golfers, they've had, like, little scuffles, if you will, like little things if you're paying attention to golf over the last couple of years. So, this isn't entirely new that these two have beef. But it went to a whole other level (laughs) when there was a an interview of Brooks Kepka And as he's standing there, you can see Bryson DeChambeau walking behind him. And, and Kepka kind of looks over his shoulder and he sees DeChambeau. And he just goes like, oh, I bleep and hate that guy. It was like, it was something to that degree. And he, you can see him shaking his head. It becomes this big meme. The video gets shared everywhere. Like it was a, it was a very viral moment. And after that, obviously, Bryson DeChambeau is well aware of the video. So you get all this back and forth between those two social media stuff, and it's just all this, you know, it's a rivalry. It is a now full-blown, very public rivalry. But what makes it interesting is there's a little element to this of uh, DeChambeau says to Kepka, hey, man, I'm in your head. It's nice to be rent-free. Well, here's a moment at one point. This was about a week ago this came out. Bryson DeChambeau, he's working on a swing, and somebody's taunting him a little bit.
6: All right, Brooksy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> on, <call> me Brooksy.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, if you can't hear that too well, he said, Whoever's calling me Brooksy needs to get out of here. As in, don't call me Brooks Kepka. Do not do it. I am not Brooks Kepka. I do not like Brooks Kepka. Do not call me Brooks Kepka. So this guy called him Brooksy which of course, as that video goes viral and you get your next PGA event, which is the Memorial tournament, which is happening right now. Well, what happens if someone says, don't call me that? What do you do? You call them that, right? It's just, it's natural instinct. My name's not Bob. It's, you know, Robert. And it's like, all right, Bob, you know? So as Bryson DeChambeau's golfing at the Memorial tournament, all of these people are yelling at him. Brooks A! Hey, Brooks A! Go ahead with a good one, Brooks A! Four, Brooks A! Like, they're just, they're taunting the guy. So, all these people, who knows if they're actually fans of Kepka or not, but they're going after the Shambo. They're going after him hard, right? So, as this is happening, which I don't know how often it happens to this kind of degree at a golf event, but these people, however many, were kicked ...out of the tournament. They were escorted out by security. Now, deshambo said he's like, yeah, I don't have anything to do with that. I think it's flattering. Uh, I have no idea if he really feels that way or not. But either way, these people were kicked out of the tournament. So, here's where things really take a bizarre and fascinating turn. Is after all of that happens, Brooks Kepka posts a video on social media and listen to this. What's up guys, it's Brooksy. Just wanted to say, hey, thank (laughs) you guys for the support. I heard a bunch of you were shouting my name at the golf tournament (laughs) today. I know I'm not playing, but thank you guys for showing support. And if your time was, I don't know, say cut short at the golf tournament today, uh, DM
5: Michelob Ultra, and we're gonna be giving out 50 cases of beer to the first 50 people um, in case their time was cut short, had any trouble at the tournament, But
0: just as a thank you for showing support. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
7: They're
1: giving cases of beer away to people that were thrown out of a golf event for taunting. Like, I can't believe they're doing that. I I really can't. Like, there are times where you you look at certain situations. Now, because I have two very different reactions and feelings that are living inside my head at the same time. One is, this is great. This is great. Like, this is this is great, right? This is great. For somebody that is, I mean, for golf, generally, doesn't do much for me. Just, you know, there, there are times where I I can get into it occasionally, like the match and certain stuff. I, I watch maybe the, the final of a tournament here and there. So I'm a, I'm a casual, if you will. But... Man, when you get something like this, now you're locked into golf. You know what I mean? You're like, wow, look at these two right guys. You like
0: that old man? Yeah. You want a piece
1: of me? I don't want a piece of you. <laughs> I want the whole thing. <laughs> and There they are, live on the golf course duking it out. Like, that's exciting. That is interesting. That gets everybody tuned in, right? Think of reality television. Uh, my girlfriend loves Vanderpump Rules. That show is garbage. It is absolute filth. It's a Terrible show. But you know what? It's beautiful people fighting each other. They're yelling. There's drama. There's back talking. You know what I mean? There's people sleeping around. Like it's just all that gross, grimy stuff. It gets ratings. People tune in. They like it. Well, now you're getting that. I mean, you have a professional golfer. This guy is a pro. He is one of the biggest names the sport has. And he's going out publicly and saying to everybody that supports me or at the very least hates shambo, thank you for disrupting a golf event so much that you were thrown out. I would like to thank you with a case of beer. I, I mean, vodka. that's the, and maybe that's where it progresses to. Maybe that's where it goes next, but he's giving out beer to these people. Like, that's great. The, the level of trolling that goes into it. Can we play the intro of it again, by the way, like the way that at the front of it, cause he's, the whole thing is to Shambo's being called Brooksy and
0: he opens the
1: video. Like What's this. up guys. It's Brooksy. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to say, hey, thank you
0: guys for the support. I heard a bunch of you were shouting my name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's Brooksy. Like, he's just. <laughs> it's, it's so wonderfully evil. Like, the guy is drunk. It's Now, he's drunk on power. And and for the people who got thrown out, they will get drunk because they're getting a full case of beer. They're getting a full. He's going to send If you can prove that you were forcibly removed by security from my league's event. I will reward you with a case of beer like that is that is the part of me that's screaming out that this is so much fun. This is great. Like this is great for golf. It's what a wonderful thing to develop. This clip that was and this all starts from a clip. The the the, the Brooks Kepka clip that was not initially aired. They interviewed him. That exchange happens where he goes like, "Oh, here he comes! Here comes the Shambo." And and once that happens, they didn't air it. But somebody saw that clip and the majesty of it, and they leaked it. <laughs> Which maybe it cost them a job, maybe it didn't. But to put that out, and then now it turns into all of this. What a blessing for the PGA Tour! I mean, really, you can't oh, ask for anything better. It's, they are welcome. Like this is this is so good for them. Because I'm locked into this now. You know, I'm going to be following this rivalry. I want to see what happens back and forth. I wasn't following these guys on Twitter. Now I am. You know what I mean? Like, I'm in. I'm in. This is, this is fun. This is exciting. This is great. But I do have that other side of me. I do have that other opinion on the other side. I, like, there's a finger wagging in my head that's like, dude, this is a league event. Like, you're, you are supplying beer to people that just got thrown out of the PGA Tour event for heckling. They got tossed. If I was the PGA Tour, if I was anybody that was a legitimate, like, big-time official with any kind of weight and say in things... On the PGA Tour, and I saw that Brooke, Brooks Kefka was running a promotion. A spot, hes getting paid to do it, by the way. I would imagine he mentions a brand. So you've got a sponsored promotion that is, hey, for everybody who got thrown out of the tournament. Well, let me tell you something—you get a case of beer. Well, what does that do? Like you know exactly what's going to happen. Oh, all these guys yelled "Brooksy" at the Shambo, so now. They got cases of beer. Well, would you like a free case of beer? Yes, I would like a free case of beer. Okay, uh, let's go to the next tournament and let's find Deshambo. And I don't know, let's put on the uh, the old rainbow wig. Let's go back to the 70s. We'll put on the rainbow wig and we'll hold up big signs that say Brooksy. And we'll just follow Deshambo around. You know what I mean? Like you're just, as a league official, I would be horrified by this. And I would not be surprised at all. If they brought the hammer down, like you can't, you can't encourage that. You know what I'll say you can't actively encourage that. If you're a player and you have something like this going on, you can like making the nod with Brooksy and all is one thing, but to openly be like, listen, guys, let me reward you for this with beer is like, whoa, I just. That's that's a shocking twist to all of this. The video's great. I mean, really, it is. It is great. It is fun. It is interesting. It is exciting. It is about as good for golf as it could possibly get. But if they start to get all sorts of real nonsense going on at these courses, that's going to be a monster problem. And so what happens? How does this escalate? I can't wait to see where it goes. And that's the thing. Golf wins. I can't wait to see where this goes. What happens? What happens Tomorrow, you know, like what happens tomorrow? Beca- or should I say today? Because today on CBS, the next stop on the PGA Tour features several of the top players in the world, including Justin Thomas, DeChambeau, don't call me Brooksy DeChambeau, Fowler and Rory McIlroy, all competing at the Memorial Tournament. Live coverage continues today at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific on CBS. What happens today? What happens I, I am so curious to see. And do you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. You can also hit me up on Twitter. It's Vince Quinn is where you can find me. It's all one word. It's Vince Quinn. Because like for me, and, and if you have background, by the way, if you're somebody who's a big golf fan and has more of the background before the video leaked, before all of this in the past you know, two weeks or so as it's all really blown up publicly in front of our eyes. What was that beef before? If you could clue me in a little bit of like what the background is with these two. And really, because I don't know like what the sides are. You know what I mean? Like, is there generally support? Like is Kepka the more popular golfer? I just don't know. So I would love information on this as more of a casual with golf. And now I am just fully enthralled with the rivalry and how this thing is blown up. So eight, five, five, two, one, two, four, two, two, seven. That's how you can give me a call. We've been talking about a lot of things so far. Another weird sports thing that I, I got to tell you this, this floored me in a totally different way, but they they had a Tom Brady rookie card signed rookie card and it's sold at an auction for $3 million and that's not that's not the biggest part of this. The Tom Brady rookie card for three million, not straight the biggest cash part. Homie. it's maybe it was straight cash. But there's been a couple of those rookie cards that have sold. Tom Brady rookie cards recently have just been popping up on the market. They've been showing up. They there's been articles written about it for the last couple of weeks, last couple of months. And they're going for crazy amounts of money. So now you get one that goes for three hundred or three million dollars. But here was the thing that surprised me and I, I, I want to ask you so uh, think about this for a moment, okay. Tom Brady's signed rookie card goes for three million dollars. Now, what do you think the price is? I wish we had the, the prices right music here like da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. So just imagine me singing the prices right theme as I'm saying this to you. So how much do you think it costs to buy the ball, the actual game? Used ball that Tom Brady had in his hands on the field in the first game where he threw a touchdown pass, the first ball that he took from under center and dropped back in the pocket and looked and threw and completed and scored the first touchdown of the greatest career that football has ever seen. Because if a signed rookie card is going for $3 million, that ball's got to be worth what, like fifteen million? I mean, like that ball's got to be crazy valuable. It's it's a game used ball. It's his first ever touchdown. Like that that ball is to be worth crazy amounts of money. Sold for four hundred and twenty five thousand. Not even a sixth of a signed rookie card how is a game used first ever touchdown ball? Like that is such a unique specific item rather than a signed rookie card. I, I just don't understand that. And like on some level, it's just, what would you rather have throw money aside? If you could just, if somebody just walked up to you and they were like, all right, um, would you rather have this signed rookie card that's in my hand? Or would you rather have this game used Actual first ever touchdown ball that Tom Brady ever threw, what would you take? Because it's for me, it's easy. Grisepho, what would you rather have? Game used ball from Tom Brady, signed rookie card. The card.
4: Really? Why would you why would you rather have the card? Because there's less of the card made. The card the card is more rare. The card's more rare than the football? Right, because in reality, uh there are other Hall of Fame quarterbacks that have thrown their first touchdown pass. And probably this card were probably, like, ten of them were made. Wow. See, I— Like, whenever a card is going for that much money, th- the scarcity of the card is immense. And that's that's got to be it, but it's it's the first ever touchdown ball that he's ever thrown. Right, but, like, you know, John Elway has a first touchdown. What's that worth? Well, he's also got rookie cards, right? He's got signed rookie sure, cards. but— who knows? Uh, might be less of John Elway's rookie card, or there might be more of it. Whenever a rookie card, whenever a card like that that is signed goes for that much money, it's because there's probably ten of them on the earth.
1: And I can get that. I can get the idea that a card could sell for that much, but to think that the ball is less valuable is that—that's the thing I, I like. Totally, seriously, legitimately, do not understand. I just don't understand how the ball isn't worth like the guy. Actually held the ball in his hands. It was in an NFL game. He placed the pass. He threw the touchdown. It's the first. Is the ball pass. signed? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, you don't know for sure. I'm going to, I'll double check it. I'll double check it. But I'm pretty sure that Tom Brady's first ever touchdown ball is signed, and that sold for 425 I wrote that down, but let's see. Touchdown... Uh, well, how about this? I'll figure that out during the break. And if you've got information on this, like if you can actually explain to me, if you're a collector or whatever, if you're hip to this kind of thing, and, and you can let me in on how that's possible. Because I really, I don't get it. I, like, I would take the ball in a heartbeat. And not only do I think the ball's a cooler item, but I I would just figure it was worth more. It just, it seemed obvious to me. And I was, I was not even remotely close. So 855-212-4227. That's how you get in. 855 212 4227. You can also join on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn, and we'll be right back.